0: Hello and welcome to Canine Hooper's World, the podcast. A whole new world of fun. Everyone's invited. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 41 of Canine Hooper's World, the podcast. Now, advance warning, this one could get a little bit sarcastic and a little bit silly because this (laughs) trainer He's like my little brother. Um, he's cool, we've been friends for a number of years and um, yeah, he is like my irritating little brother. So Jordan Shelley, how are you?
1: Good evening, very well, thank you uh, Pinky. It's <laughs> lovely to see you. <laughs> right, so,
0: Just to, because we're, we're both like kind of North London-y, Hertfordshire area where we both thank kind you. of grew up. Um, for people that don't know you, um, who are you? What do you do? <laughs>
1: Uh, I'm a trainer behaviorist I uh, predominantly these days at work working mainly in welfare um, if I'm honest it it all sort of happened by mistake I ended up running a campaign and actually now kind of the welfare work has taken off um, and that's kind of predominantly what I'm doing my campaign was to um, ban the import of crop dogs which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, yeah, I hate seeing dogs that have been mutilated. And if the language offends anyone in this episode, um, tough, it's my podcast. But in my opinion, um, dogs should not be cropped and docked just for looks. Um, Jordan concurs. And if you are pro crop and dock, this probably isn't the episode for you to listen to. Yeah, yeah, uh, um,
1: that's an understatement and a half.
0: Well, I just, I feel like I've warned people. So if they want to turn off and not listen anymore, they don't have to. Um, Now, let's start at the very beginning. Um, You are what is known as a crossover trainer. So um, you actually, I mean, most crossover trainers kind of start training. They do some things they're not comfortable with. They do some more research and then they come over to kind of the more reinforcement, force-free way yeah. of training um you kind of made a big cock up on national tv babe
1: Ah, uh, yeah i did it on the telly box um so <laughs> where uh, else would you do it you know well, exactly exactly so i i decided um that i would do it in front of a few million people um <laughs> yeah uh, as you do <laughs> Um, and then uh, spent a couple of weeks being kind of lambasted by the press and a whole campaign group that was set up against me. I think, if I remember rightly, it was called Get Jordan Shirley Off the Telly.
0: Um, <laughs> hey, you've got given points for the catchphrase. Like, yeah, it a was a good name You can yeah, kind of give them one. credit like. for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like it. And to be fair, I, I give them credit for the whole campaign. I think, you know what? what I was doing was wrong and I probably needed a bit of a um, a slap in the face and and a point in the right direction because actually it was the point in the right direction that really helped you know there was this whole campaign that started and I remember Beverly Cuddy and uh, of Dogs Today and uh, Victoria Stilwell were kind of leading the charge Um, and Beverly wrote a blog and in the blog she said you know shame these people don't want to to learn a better way of training so I Called her and she didn't take my first call because she thought I was ready to shout at her. Uh, and, and <laughs> <laughs> Which
0: we know each other very well. Like you don't shout at people
1: generally, I don't shout at
0: people. <laughs> like unless they really, 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 really piss you off. Um, yeah, you're you're generally quite kind of happy-go-lucky and giggle a lot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah most of the time it, it, it's sometimes quite hard when the, the work you're doing is quite serious you get into that serious yeah. mindset to remember to giggle but uh, um yes yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it is there I am more happy go lucky than fighting I don't think fighting is my natural state but yeah she said she said it's a shame that people don't want to that these people don't want to learn a better way of training and so I did I rang her and and she then put me in touch with um, quite a few people but but in the beginning it was Dr Ian Dunbar in the States and, yeah. and Kelly and so I went out and stayed with them and went to the APDT in the USA and traveled around to all these conferences and met Victoria and a load of other people um, and, and Grisha Stewart and, and and came back here and did training with Sarah Fisher and Steve Mann obviously Mr. Mm. Mann at uh, the IMTT um and kind of had loads of other mentors, sort of along that that journey towards a, a positive way of training, which was the best thing that ever happened to me. Don't get me wrong; it was painful at the time. You feel a bit <laughs> bruised and <laughs> when the uh, one thing you're sure about is kind of uh, uh, whipped out from under your feet, but in the long run it's it's obviously been for the best and and best for me and best for the animals um you know now I I take a truly science-based approach to training and behavior
0: yeah and I think that you know and the reason why I've started on that bit of story is because um I think it is important to show that trainers that just because you trained a certain way yesterday doesn't mean you have to continue training that way today And we all have a choice to change the way we're doing things to make better choices and to look at kind of our ethics. You know, 10 years ago, I ate meat. Now I don't eat meat because I don't like abattoirs. Um, I think that it's important to remember that we can change and I know that you had you did have a really hard time at the beginning. I remember you um, coming on a course I was on at IMDT and a few people were like, oh, my God, that's that knob off the telly. Yeah. And I was <laughs> like, that knob off the telly because I, I didn't watch the one show, so I didn't know who you were. Um, And I actually thought you were quite funny and got on with you because, to me, you were there to try and learn and try and improve yourselves. And I think this is one thing that trainers, because we're so passionate, especially the kind of the ethical reinforcement trainers because we're so passionate about welfare and keeping animals safe and training as as positively as we can we can sometimes become very negative towards trainers that are not doing things the same way we are um there's a trainer that's kind of quite influential on social media at the moment that i don't agree with the training methods at all but they wrote a post the other day about socialisation. I read it and went, yeah, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Do our training methods align? No. But the view of what socialisation is, should and can be was identical. So I think that this whole thing of them and us and positive versus balanced or whatever other term you want to use – I think it needs to stop, and I'm not saying that we need to ignore it and stop pushing for better standards, but I think we need to be careful not to close the door in people's faces when they're learning and trying to kind of improve
1: themselves. I I completely agree. We should always try and encourage people to find a better way of training in the most sort of... uh, um kind of positive way possible because you know if you're positive with the animals you should be positive with the people and I think giving people guidance is is the best way but I actually think underneath all this there's a, a real fundamental problem with our industry sorry to get a little deep for a moment no let's
0: do it let's keep
1: I do believe that that there's a real fundamental problem with the training and behavior industry. I feel like it's incredibly disjointed. The idea that self-regulation could ever work is a nonsense. Mm -hmm. Um, And that there has to be more guidance and an overarching uh, uh, um, organization that, that, sets the standard and i actually believe it should be the royal college of veterinary surgeons i believe that at the top of the training and behavior pyramid sits veterinary behaviorists i believe that uh, um, behaviorists sit under those and and trainers we need to be working as uh, as um teams all together you know and the only way that we can ever achieve that is if there's proper regulation of our industry and guidance and i also believe that there's another fundamental flaw with um our industry and that is that the moment there is only an academic route qualification to become a behaviourist yes uh, a certified clinical animal behaviourist and there isn't um a route that, that is more hands-on based and that would benefit kinesthetic learners because mm-hmm. we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're locking out a whole load of great talented behaviourists from, from reaching this, this pinnacle in their career simply because we haven't got a route for them to qualify. And I think that the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons would be such an amazing organisation to oversee this because they, they achieved it with vet nurses. So with vet nurses they manage to go well there is an academic route to to qualification but there's also a route in clinic and in practice mm-hmm. uh, um, to this qualification and i think that's very important because otherwise we're locking out loads of great people fulfilling their potential and becoming behaviorists but we're also causing issues with those that, that want to learn and that learn kinesthetically so it's damaging for owners too you know they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're not getting the teachers that teach in the way that they learn and I also think it's it's just damaging for overall standards, for mental health for the, of, of trainers and behaviours and everyone that there isn't a, a clearer more um identified structure that, that everyone can agree on and that is overseen by a body like the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons that's my opinion no mm-hmm.
0: I, and but i make you right because like i mean what's going on with the charter i think is a brilliant step in the right direction yeah. um you know i've i was talking to andrew how and um steve about yeah. kind of we touched on the charter and where that's heading and i do kind of i do agree with you that having kind of the over sort of a big governing organization Mm. that could say yes you're at this standard but allowing all types of training because people that have been doing training and behavior before you and me were even born you know why should they not be able to call themselves like behaviorists just Mm -hmm. because they don't have the letters behind their names and I just think that when it comes to kind of training and like CPD, it's so difficult to find, you know, good courses and make sure that the content is good and is giving you kind of what's said on the tin. Um, I've become a big fan of kind of webinars now because it's given me access to international trainers. But I really struggle to, I'm, I'm not a book learner, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I struggle to even read books. I've got a whole bookshelf full of books that I've probably read a few pages of them because yeah. I prefer listening to books because I process the information better and I think your point of those different learning styles and people being kind of left out because their learning style isn't the same as it mm-hmm. should be you know it I mean it happens in schools as well we know this you know no. that kids that struggle in school well I was one of them I mean yeah, I. me too a <laughs> levels and Look at us now, we're running our own businesses and going for world domination. Um, but, <laughs> I, well, I am anyway. I, 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 <laughs> only Hoopers, only Hoopers world
1: domination. <laughs> you know, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think as well, um, it's also about what we're providing owners. And I just think that, that that loads of owners miss out because they're not being provided with the teacher that teaches in the style in which they learn. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's really... Uh, really important that we can get to the point where we we have these really tight multidisciplinary teams which we can't at the moment and I think that's a problem we 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 don't seem to be able to have because there's no no like overarching regulation from the from the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons we don't have those teams with veterinary behaviourists and behaviourists and trainers all working together and that's a real shame i think
0: um, the other plus of having the rvc involved would be that what one of my and it is a bugbear of mine i don't give out vet advice because I'm not a vet, mm-hmm. but the amount of times I hear vets giving out training advice that is outdated, yeah. incorrect, especially when it comes to puppy behavior and stuff, it's just, it's just bad science.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But the owners go, well, the vet told me, and you're like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? If I told you mm-hmm. how to fix your dog's broken leg, would you listen to me and do it yourself? No, because I'm not qualified. So I think the flip side of it would be is that potentially vets may understand what an important role trainers and behaviorists play as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that uh, and I think that that's the importance and the reason why it's so important that we we, we regulate the industry and that there is a clearer structure because I think it would be helping everybody. I I can't be the only person out there that works in training and behaviour that on a regular basis feels like they're drowning in an Alphabetti spaghetti soup because of all the acronyms and all the names and all the organizations and then all the all the overseeing bodies it's not just there's there's all these different bodies overseeing things and looking at this and looking at that and yeah at the end of the day it's a bit like well, what is all this like really yeah. if we're not talking to each other it's a nonsense and uh, you know I, I, I say that um, out of my own frustration, uh, no, um, I don't true. mean any—I don't mean any disrespect to any of my colleagues that that run the organisations or that work in them, because there's loads. You know, I'm I'm very friendly with a lot of, including myself,
0: babe. Including yes, me.
1: yes, and uh, <laughs> it's not a, no, it's not a personal thing. It's it's just actually I do it's look at the industry and just there. I do.
0: It's it's a valid observation, and just quickly, I'm going to say, in no way am I vet bashing because mm-hmm. I think that vets have the hardest job ever and seriously people that moan that go on social media and moan about how much vets are charging and all the rest of it need to look at themselves and look at the stress vets are under and understand that you know the the life of a vet is not a freaking easy one it's quite often not a very fulfilling one and it can be an absolutely heartbreaking lonely one so this isn't having a moan about vets but this is me saying I get frustrated when vets hand out training advice that is freaking incorrect um but also going back to yours what you're saying with all these different organizations it's very hard for vets to go oh well I can recommend this trainer because Like, what freaking organization do you listen to? I mean, there are some that you just pay a fee. There are some where you have assessments. There are some this, some that, blah, 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 blah. You know, as much as I train Hoops instructors, I'm training people to teach Hoopers. It's very Mm -hmm. specialized. Like, would I say, right, use a Hoopers instructor for your dog that has severe separation anxiety? Not unless that instructor also deals with separation anxiety.
1: (laughs) Like,
0: it, it is a complete minefield
1: of just nothing. yes um yeah, yeah i agree and 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 I, I agree with what you said about vets too you know we also in this country are very spoiled with our our national health service yes. and i don't think people have the slightest understanding of what the the, the real cost of health care is and the same goes for veterinary health care you know there there are so many uh, um, really hard-working vets that care so much about uh, what they do and their clients and the animals and you know I wouldn't for a minute want to bash uh, um, any of them but I believe that that it's actually a structural problem that we're all living in. The vets are, that we are, you know, there's a real structural problem with the system that means that actually things don't work because, you know, we can't recommend people because we don't know who this organization is or who that organization is because actually there's so many of them. There's so many overseeing bodies. It's all a bit of a mess. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: No, no, definitely. So to any vets, vet nurses, vet techs listening, Freaking love you guys, you all yes. rock, you're epic. End. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so, cropping and docking, should we just dive into this?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> so, you did a thing, babe.
1: I did a thing. <laughs> you
0: did a very cool thing, and I am so freaking proud of you. Like, Thank you. As, from, from like a, a professional point of view, but... As, as your mate and honorary big <laughs> sister, like I'm super freaking proud of you because cropping and docking has been a problem in the UK for a while, but it was sort of you'd see the odd dog occasionally. And then all of a sudden, the last, what, four or five years? Yeah. It's suddenly become fashion to own a dog that has been mutilated.
1: Yeah. Uh cropping in particular in the last five years it's it's changed a lot there are they're, they're slightly distinct um issues surrounding each thing so cropping and docking are, are slightly different let's talk exactly.
0: about docking first because okay. there are working dogs that are docked for a reason because they can cause themselves injury and damage if they work undocked am i correct
1: so yeah in uk law there's an exemption for certain working breeds mm-hmm. uh, the, the science behind it in my opinion is quite flimsy <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and actually I think that that we'd be um, as a preventative it's it's a pretty poor thing to do to prevent the dog from damaging the <laughs> tail we're just gonna chop. Well, like, off I might break and...
0: now so can we cut my finger off
1: <laughs> yes rather than rather than as well you know we, we when we look at dogs kind of around us and what we've bred not that it's always a good thing and you see all the different shapes and sizes and all this and all that we're more than capable of breeding dogs for jobs that tails won't fall apart mm-hmm. that's what i'd say you know that actually you know and and, and if we're really going to put our minds to it we we're going to choose jobs that are uh, dogs that are good for particular jobs that would be part of the equation we wouldn't just chop bits off them to uh uh <laughs> make it work you know uh, uh, that's just my personal opinion this is nothing to do with the campaign but that's that's what i
0: is, is that when you put it like that it is laughable and the reason i'm mm-hmm. laughing is because it just sounds so stupid yeah <laughs> you've got dogs that are being bred with such little corkscrew tails that it's actually causing spinal defects Yeah. and then the other extreme is you're breeding dogs that tails are a bit long so you're chopping the end off them like yeah. i'm sorry what
1: it's all a bit bonkers it? yes and i i do think at some point that those exemptions that exist in uk law for docking may shift i don't know whether now is that point but it mm. may happen in, in the future um because i do just think as a preventative it's it's really useless and then obviously cropping is something that uh, um has kind of there's been a resurgence around because it wasn't really I mean okay we we both grew up in London and we we did see like crop dogs occasionally you'd see like a crop staffy type that someone had butchered at home but it wasn't on the regular I mean to
0: be fair I've seen more dogs that were docked because the law changed like with us growing up especially me Mm. being that little bit older little bit um (laughs) (laughs) shush um I can remember like um, the yard dog that um, we have with um, little Jack Russell called Bracken. She was a she was a puppet. She was an RSPCA welfare case. Mm. She had been illegally docked as a puppy and they had docked her tail too short. Yeah. She actually couldn't sit down properly because they'd made the balls off of it. And apparently they'd done it with standing bone, just horrendousness. Oh. Now, generally... Puppies that are docked in the UK, it's done out of vets. um, It's a surgical procedure. And when it's done legally, rightly or wrongly, um, Mm. the dog's kind of, the the back half of the tail is removed to whether it's three-quarter length or half length. It's done under veterinary supervision. Now, the problem with cropping, um, I remember an old... An old way that we were taught. Talk- we had poodles growing up, and the poodles were docked. Mm-hmm. Which I don't. I don't remember it ever being kind of a thing. But now I look back and go, oh yeah, the poodles tail was short actually. Yeah. But then poodles traditionally a gun dog, or not many people seem to use them for that purpose anymore. They tend to be more of a sports utility dog now. But they are traditionally a gun dog. It is generally the gun dogs that are um, docked, and the terriers because of them injuring themselves. You don't see many pet dogs now being docked just because the the breeds I'm thinking of specifically are like Dobermans, uh, Rottweilers. You never saw a Rottie or a Dober with a tail growing up. Now, yeah, now you I love tail. seeing them right. with tails. They have these great big long clown-like hoops of a tail that hooks everything in sight and causes complete bedlam around a hoopers course, I have to say, because they hook the hoops with their tails as they <laughs> run through it's nice nice being able to see the communication the difference between those breeds now um that would have been traditionally docked purely for aesthetic reasons rather than um kind of a working reason but then that moves us on to cropping because dobermans are one of the breeds that unfortunately both ends seem to be sliced and diced for some reason
1: yeah and it's a real like it's changed a lot in the last i don't know five years the number of Mm -hmm. Prop dogs that 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 have been appearing because they really really wasn't that common when we were younger. And no, I can't remember
0: seeing dogs. I can remember seeing dogs that had short tails or stumpy little tails, but I can't remember seeing a dog that didn't have ears.
1: No, and and it's something that I think has uh, kind of come back via. A mixture of reasons, really. There's first of all all the celebrities buying imported protection dogs that are are cropped and docked, and then sharing them all over social media, and that's created this, in particular on platforms like Instagram, this sort of atmosphere where it's all about the likes, baby, and that's what they want. Yeah, and so they try and shape their dogs to be as aesthetically pleasing as possible to try and get likes and claim it's to do with working, but it's it's a nonsense. And I. Uh, I think that it's sort of spread from there. And and because a certain, in particular, a certain age group has grown up on the, that platform and those platforms, they're unaware. They believe they live in a state of America somewhere. I think some of them um, and they're, they're even some of them claim to be unaware that it's legal. It's been normalized so much. Yeah. Um, and I just I think we need to really turn back that tide of, of it, it, it making it unacceptable again. You know, it, yeah. it was. It first became unlawful in the UK based on case law in 1895. Oh, wow. So OK. So that's based on case law uh, um, and the implementation of other uh, legislation. So It was 1895. Then for, for an actual act of parliament and it becoming illegal, it was 2006 in England. And, and I think one of the later parts was Northern Ireland in 2011. But since then, it's been illegal right across the whole of the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's no excuse for it you know there's, there's no m- reasons in veterinary medical science for it there's no so justification in the law I just want to
0: say quickly that, um, mm. because I saw a post um, over the summer um, on social media it was a friend of mine that had bred um, a litter of um, Shola and they had their ears bound and I was mm. like whoa do not tell me Those puppies, naturally, their ears are meant to be up. When they're teething, their ears can drop. So the breeders tape their ears and put them in like a little ear brace to help Mm. keep the ears up in the show dogs. They have not done anything surgical to those dogs. It's purely a dressing to support the ears. Mm -hmm. Whenever I see an ear dressing, I automatically assume that the dog has had its ears cropped. Yeah. So I just want to make it clear to everyone listening. If you see a puppy that has bandages, it may be an aesthetic dressing for Mm -hmm. a show dog. It does not mean that that dog has had the ears cut off. That being said, it's only in certain breeds. Apparently, Akitas, they do it with sometimes. Um, I've heard of a litter of Malinois having it done, which I just think sounds silly. (laughs) Um, Basically, anything with big batty ears... Um, <laughs> if, occasionally it, if they will a need a bit of support when they're puppies to help the bat ears stay up. That it, is not the same as taking a dog that has yeah. naturally folded ears and cutting off the ear flap, cutting off. <laughs> they, and, they don't like and, and, it and prod it. They literally cut them off, don't they?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so in particular, you see it in... Doberman's, um, cane corsos, American bullies, um, I've seen the odd great Dane as well. Um, pardon. yeah, so and they're, they're all, all cropped and they chop off the ear flap and then they bandage and pin it. And I've seen one case where the dog has been bandaged and pinned for uh 18 months. What 18 months because they they've obviously not done some part of it as planned and the the ears keep dropping and they keep bandaging this poor dog's ears you can imagine the first 18 months of your life having had your ears chopped off and then constantly bandaged how that impacts your socialization with other dogs with people your associations with the whole environment it's really damaging and actually it's so unnecessary it's all for cosmetics there are no Mm -hmm. veterinary benefits um it, it's a it's a cosmetic procedure. So you know? let's
0: do a little quick myth bust because in your in your journey for anti cropping, you have heard some right old pork pies, haven't you, about why <laughs> are having their ears cut off. Yeah. So let's hear some of the some of the reasons that have been stated to you as facts that are just
1: bollocks. It stops ear infections, is one. So, um,
0: right. So let's do them bit by bit because Generally, dogs that have the ear flaps, the flap is there to protect the ear, which mm. would naturally stop the dog from getting an ear infection.
1: So while they try and claim that <laughs> that by um, cutting them, they allow better air circulation and blah, 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 it's, an, it's a nonsense, obviously, um, but that's what they claim, um, Okay. you know if that was the case we wouldn't be having the issues we have with so many german shepherds with ear infections like it just wouldn't happen because they have big sticky up ears yeah and so they would be and they're very prone you know it, it's not uh, outer ear shape isn't a very good indicator it's uh, the the best indicator is actually in ear shape and the, the amount of hair and various other things um mm-hmm. so that's a nonsense and the idea that you can you can change a uh, Um, whether a dog is or isn't going to get the likelihood of them getting an ear infection by chopping off their their outer ear is crazy Um, and so that's the first one the second one (laughs) The second one I heard quite a lot was in particular from like what the working dog protection dog type world where they were basically saying it stops the dog from getting cauliflower ears um, when it's ragging and, uh, and stuff like that. So they apparently the dogs are prone to oral hematomas, um, which is it's a yeah, exactly. It's, it's a similar. Um, it's a similar sort of sort of thing, you know, like what I was talking about with docking before if you notice that you're working with a particular line of dogs and, and their ears seem to be so rubbish that they fall apart when they grab hold and shake or something then they're clearly not fit for purpose <laughs> uh, um yeah and, yeah. and should spread from and we should be breeding away from those things it's not it's not uh, um true really otherwise we'd be seeing dogs with all hematomas everywhere And if I'm honest with you, vets will do everything they can to save the dog's outer ears. They'll put drains in, they'll do all sorts of stuff, if there is an all hematoma, even including... there was a
0: post recently, wasn't there, of um, a dog that had buttons sewn on their ears because Mm -hmm. of the hematoma. And everyone was like, oh, my God, that poor dog has been mutilated. It was like, no, 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 the buttons are there to help the ear heal. And it's like an actual thing. Obviously, sewing little plastic buttons onto the outside of dog's ears is not the ideal first call, but that was what was needed for that dog. Mm-hmm. If that vet could just cut that dog's ear off I'm, and that was the safest, best option, I'm pretty sure they would have just have taken the ear off rather than spending ages sewing buttons on.
1: Yeah, and it's not. It's, it's, it's damaging <laughs> to, to their uh, ability to communicate. And I, I don't think we really understand and it's very difficult for us to understand the impact it has on them physically because I mean there is a hugely like nerve and vessel rich structures um, (laughs) muscle as well uh, and I like I don't know whether you've ever hurt yourself to the point where you've got some kind of nerve damage but I remember talking to a friend that's had his ears pinned how they've been painful for him for the rest of his life and he literally just had his ears pinned back not not chopped off so you can imagine that 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 this kind of a thing does cause long lasting damage and we see it in 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 often in the dog's behavior you know the way in which they're head shy Um, obviously that could be learned from the trauma but it's likely that there's some kind of damage to the nerve structure Um, and it has a impact
0: but from kind of like um well from having older brothers um you learn very quickly if you want to get someone to move um and you are smaller than them one of the easiest things to do is grab their ear and pull because yeah. if you pull someone's ear, their whole body moves with it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if the ear wasn't sensitive and delicate, grabbing someone's ear and, like, hooking them wouldn't hurt. So it would make sense that a dog's ear is going to be just as, if not more sensitive with all those nerve endings and everything. I mean, when I look at all my guys, you know, the, the chihuahuas, um, Minx has soft ear, which... Mm-hmm. is not aesthetically correct in two hours she looks super cute I don't care could I have taped her ears when she was a puppy possibly I didn't know that was an option and to be honest she's not a show dog so therefore I didn't need her to be to look a certain way but when we're talking about surgical procedures to change the aesthetic of an animal people you know Society now, people have boob jobs, nose jobs, lip implants, Hmm. fillers, whatever. Yeah. But they opt to do that to themselves. Yeah. If it became mandatory that every single woman had to have a breast operation, so we all had, I don't know, a size D cup, and every single woman had to be a size D, whether it meant them being made bigger or made smaller, everyone had to be the same. All men had to have their penises changed so they were exactly seven inches. Like, I'm <laughs> sure some men would be pleased and some men would be mortified. But if you said you were going to do that to people, th- they'd be up in arms. I don't see how that appendage is any different to cutting off a dog's ears.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. I'm digging excited, but I agree. I um, I think it... a they, slightly
0: vulgar way of putting it, but, you know, yeah. I've, I've got a point. <laughs>
1: Uh, you've got a point yeah (laughs) there is no uh, there is no moral or or medical or welfare justification for it so it it shouldn't be happening and it's illegal you know and and uh, the reason why I started the campaign to close the loophole is because it's not just that these dogs are coming in from abroad it's being used as an excuse here in the UK for illegal cropping so uh, often what's happening is, is that, that dogs are being implanted with foreign microchips and cropped in this country because the only way to prove that they're not from here is by checking the chip and the chip's from abroad. So the dog was from abroad, and, and actually it's not. And, and so there's, it's, it's acting as a smokescreen for illegal activity here. It's also acting as a smokescreen for illegal activity abroad because cropping is actually illegal in every EU state.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's a nice um, little...
1: Yeah, bombs and, and, and a lot of countries where you see people saying they got their dog from, I mean, I saw one on one of the social media platforms the other day dancing about with her dog from, I think it was Serbia. It's illegal. So, you know, we're fueling not just illegal activity here, but also abroad. And the, the very fact that these dogs leave the country makes prosecutions impossible. Yeah. Because the evidence is gone. So then we're bringing the dogs here and they're muddying the water with what's being done legally, what's not here. You know, I mean, all this illegal cropping is being done under the under the guise of import. And so actually the only way we can stop all this illegal illegal cropping happening both here and right across the EU is by stopping moving the dogs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the only way, because otherwise we'll never be able to, to stamp it out. Um, and so we have to stop moving the dogs around
0: it's so into i i was completely unaware that it was illegal like kind of basically across the continent really yeah yeah
1: um, yeah so many so many places where people think it's legal it's really not
0: <laughs> okay so i mean the other the other thing with it is people are getting these dogs that look a certain way and then go oh but it's a rescue but it's not yeah a visit.
1: no uh um and- uh, listen. Let's face it. How many countries do we know where there are hundreds of of um, stray, cropped and docked, purebred Doberman's, cane corso's, and American bullies rocking about on the street? Like it's it's not a thing. <laughs> um, it's not like it's what a, what a load of rub. <laughs> Um And and so actually, it's not happening. And and when over the course of the campaign, I mean, I've been doing this now for it's what well, it must be two years it feels like a lifetime but um huh, i've been i've been running this campaign and over the course of that campaign i've been looking at all the different rescues websites and the majority of dogs coming in from abroad are coming from places like romania greece spain the, the crop dogs don't exist on these people's sites so i've seen one dog that had an ear removed and that was um coming in from romania But that's not the same as cropping that that ear was removed by a vet for medical reasons so that's obviously again different um I, I I don't see how we could have an exemption for cropped rescue dogs being imported. I don't think it would work um, because I think that it would just end up fueling the illegal activity abroad, um, yeah. you know, and as well as here. I do think because at the same time as, as the consultation on, on cropping and docking, the government are looking at a ban on, Imports of pups under six months, and I, I do think that there could be a way to have a um, a list of defra or approved organisations that could import puppies, the rescue puppies from from places, yeah. um, actually, and that the regulation is coming to rescue in the UK, in England, because it already has in Scotland. So I think England, won't, England, and Wales won't be far behind, and it's really important that we get a grip on on uh, the regulation you know it's crazy to think that I could just go out tomorrow grab a van whack a logo on the side of it and call myself a rescue and start importing dogs and yeah. then uh, um, um, offering them to people by photos on Facebook and dropping them off to them at the uh, local service station well then, it, then
0: it just turns into public wow it? exactly it's, it's not rescue it's it's well canine trafficking
1: Yes, and it's not to say that there aren't wonderful people out there doing an amazing job. There are. There's loads. Some of them are friends. Yeah,
0: and and to the, again, to the people that are genuinely involved in rescue and trying to clear up the shitstorm that has been created by the Quar and beyond, like, mm. hats off to you guys because yeah. rescue is such a bloody hard thing but we also need to it always makes me laugh, like People are like, oh, well, you know, um oh, I, I've, I've got this rescue from abroad because UK rescues wouldn't let me have a dog. Well, why not?
1: <laughs> what, yeah. what
0: was so bad that the rescue went, actually, we don't think this is suitable, but you were so determined to still get a dog when a rescue has said that your lifestyle or your house situ- or whatever else it is, you know, and I lived in a flat with four dogs at one point. Was it easy? No. Luckily, they were all smallish, apart from Munchkin, but we had to go downstairs to go to bathrooms and all of this stuff, and it was hard work. Where I am now, I'm fortunate that I've got a back garden, which is one of the reasons I've got Dodge. I would not have been able to have Dodge where I lived before because it wouldn't have been fair on him or practical for me to live in that situation.
1: Yeah. I, 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 you know, I think that we've become a society that just expects everything to be delivered by prime first thing in a box tomorrow morning. <laughs> uh, and,
0: Are we and blaming it, this all on Amazon? Is this- <laughs>
1: No, 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 not specifically, <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's okay. like that, that, um, that, that type of culture of, of we need it now. And I, I think we've got out of the habit of having to wait and sometimes waiting is not a bad thing, waiting for the right yeah. rescue dog or waiting to be on the right list, you know, it's not necessarily yeah. a bad thing. And and that way then you avoid the pain of of ending up with a dog that was either imported from some dodgy uh, um, puppy farm and they're gonna have all sorts of issues or a dog that's just not suitable to the environment that you're offering it, you know, and, and we have to consider the dogs, um, Welfare and what it is that would suit them best. I also think that we have to get away from the um, colonial mindset that the only place a dog can have a good home is here in the UK. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's really damaging. Actually, yeah. <laughs> I think that the only way to to change that is to actually. Change what's going on on the ground in a lot of these places, and, and there's lots of great organisations that are trying to do that. You know, changing local law, um, creating free roaming sanctuaries, creating uh, adoption and foster networks in country. I think it's all vital. Um, yeah. And don't get me wrong, there'll always be a certain amount of dogs that are, are taken them rehomed elsewhere. That's just the way the world works. Um, yeah. But it's about making sure that it's the right dogs, you know, um, yeah. and yeah, that they that they. F- fit the that family and the, and the unit they're going to and that it's we're really looking at whether the dog's welfare needs are being met you know it's not all dogs do want a sofa not all dogs do want to be in bed with you some dogs are actually quite happy roaming about doing their thing because that's what they've done for however many generations you yeah. know and, and it's taking that into consideration too and and I think that it's important that we get out of that mindset because I know from 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 in particular like working in rescue in Spain, that, that the biggest difference came from uh, um, a change of perceptions in the local population, not not just from from exporting dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know the same goes forever else around the world. And and I, I I think it's a little disingenuous of us to 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 keep saying it that the only place these dogs can have good homes is here, because I, I think that it's it's a colonial mindset.
0: It is. And I think as well, the other thing that you, you touched on, you know, with people not wanting to wait for stuff, Mm -hmm. it's also people going, well, I want this, but I want it to look that way. Yeah. And, you know, one of the, one of the reasons, the big reason we all pick the breeds we do is because aesthetically we go, I like that one because we just do, that's what humans do. You know, we, (laughs) we've spent, Bloody years breeding these dogs to look a certain way and a certain colour and all the rest of it it makes me really sad that it's kind of it's almost like there's now a generation that thinks it's normal to see a dog that's mutilated yeah but also yeah. the other side of it with with the kind of the import of the puppies and everything um is also these toy breeds that are being imported that are just as you say have come from puppy farms. And they're ill, they turn up in this country, and a week later they've died of parvo. It's the most heartbreaking stories. But then people are on social media going, oh, my God, my puppy died. And you just think, well, that's really shit, and it's really sad. But why didn't you find a decent breeder here? Why didn't you wait until there was a good litter? Or why didn't you get a recommendation for a good breeder? Or find a breed rescue... And say, right? Can I go on your waiting list? And that's the key, isn't it? The waiting list. People don't want to wait for stuff. And I'm, I'm still shocked at the fact that cropping is illegal in most of Europe because I <laughs> had no idea. Honestly, yeah. I didn't. And I feel that I'm fairly savvy in what kind of goes on um, from conversations we've had. But also, you know, I love it. I love a dog with a fat head. You know, I do. I love a fat head. Yeah. Um, corsos the xl bullies i think they're stunning looking dogs with their ears
1: yeah yeah. i
0: think a lot of it is because some of the social a lot of social media is from america a lot of the (laughs) big kind of the famous dogs that you see the ones that are insta famous are american dogs so therefore people see it as normal for them to be cropped but they don't seem to. Is it that they don't realise the implications on the dog, or is it just they don't care that it's illegal and they want a dog that looks
1: that way? Um, a little bit of all of it, and and some cognitive dissonance thrown in there for good measure. Uh, mm. um, I think that it's just a lack of uh, of understanding, um, and I think that we can we can educate people. You know, I love a fat head. Uh, um, I've had loads, and. Uh, I, you know, my last boy, he was the reason why I started the campaign, and that's because his ears were chopped off with the kitchen scissors, and that was, I suppose, oh. what... No, it's horrible.
0: Can I, everyone I, just I... take that in for a moment? The dog's yeah. ears were cut off with the same scissors you would use for cutting up bits of chicken in your kitchen.
1: Oh, mate, even that was a little bit much for me.
0: Um. <laughs> but, no, but the thing is, I think people need to understand what we're actually saying, because saying, oh, you know, like, oh, they've had their ears cut, you go, oh, that sounds awful... But when you explain it so you actually think about what that animal has gone through like that is horrific
1: uh, and that was all down to I guess what they'd seen as normal around bullies and mm-hmm. uh, yeah it kind of imitated it's it's on the the it was on the extremer end of of what happens because you know um, um a lot of people do just import um but It's all interconnected, and I guess that's what made me step outside of my comfortable fluffy world uh, um, and investigate more. And once you start looking for it, you realise how truly widespread it is on social media. And there is this, I don't know quite how to describe it, I guess it's a a culture of where... um, um, you get the the meatheads, and I'm talking about humans now, not dogs. Um, <laughs> meathead...
0: Thank you for explaining that, because like yeah. I just got the image of like a dog in my head. No. <laughs> yeah,
1: the the, the the meathead kind of human bodybuilder type, um, <laughs> crossed with the the yeah weightlifting competition type, crossed with the kind of gangsteresque, um, and and that's almost the atmosphere around a lot of these dogs Instagram pages yeah you, you know what I mean uh, it's difficult yeah. to explain but, but back in the day there. it would
0: have been referred to as a rude boy
1: <laughs> yeah yeah kind of although although they've tried to legitimise it a little bit more uh, yeah. um, nowadays you know they say they're these special protection dogs and, and they, they have this status and whatever and, and that's what it is about again it's about status um, and actually I think as a country we've worked really hard to move away from that and it's, it's time that um we look into serious regulation of like protection dog firms um and you know
0: thing isn't it because you you can't just have a dog that is trained for protection and i don't mean sport i'm not talking about dogs that do sport training now i'm talking about dogs that have been trained to Mm -hmm. protect someone that dog cannot function in the world as a pet dog
1: you know, yes, and, and it's a real, there's a real um, issue around a lot of these companies because they're completely unregulated. So they don't abide by any of the, the, like, pet selling act because they claim not to be selling pets, they're working dogs. But they don't abide by any of the the guidance under the Guard Dogs Act because they claim to be pet dogs, not working dogs. There's this whole, and so they... they Seem to have have found this this place where they where they feel they can exist outside of any kind of regulation. Mm-hmm. And actually, when you look at the National Crime Agency's um, list of what the the kind of the most dangerous weapons in the UK are, and where dogs come on that list, the fact that there are companies out there that are pre-weaponizing and selling dogs to members of the general public without the person selling the dogs or the person buying the dogs having any kind of background check is utterly obscene.
0: Mm-hmm yeah yeah it really is
1: yeah Uh, um and there must be some kind of oversight Uh, um, we
0: both are owners of dramatic shepherds
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) We, we
0: both have dramatic shepherds that struggle with being in the general population um and we are capable in our skills as trainers to keep them as safe as possible and to not put them in situations where they could potentially bite someone. But we are talking about dogs that are being trained to bite. Mm-hmm. These are breeds that will find the bite reinforcing.
1: Yes. and people that
0: don't know- <laughs> Biting stuff is fun. You know, yeah. it's one of the reasons why... I'm very mindful when Dodge and my other half start wrestling and play fighting. I'm like, babe, (laughs) careful what you're doing with him, please. I would not allow any other person to interact with Dodge in the way that Dale does. Nobody. Just in case. Mm -hmm. Because I'm setting the dog up to fail. To train a dog to bring out an aggressive nature and again i'm not talking sport dog training and i want to make this really clear because i've got so much admiration for people that do ipo and working trials and those sports where you are training a pet dog to be able to do these behaviors in a controlled manner that is completely different to what we're talking about we are talking about
1: we're we're, we're talking about people that are, are training dogs up as weapons and selling them to members of the public that in in reality have no clue exactly that that,
0: because they are a weapon and you know i mean i'm i'm fortunate that the only proper what i would say are bites i've Mm. only ever had one bite that drew blood and it was a pomeranian Mm. um and it was very early on when i was first starting training because we always try and set the dogs up for success and don't get ourselves in situations where we're going to get nailed dodge has nailed me a couple of times accidentally when we've been playing and munch bit me once she thought my finger was the frisbee um, mm-hmm. that ended up with a little hospital visit um, but those were unintentional that was an unintentional kind of what i would call tough kiss yeah. these are dogs that are being encouraged to bite
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then as you say they're then being sold to the public to celebrities why the <laughs> Does a celebrity need to walk round with what is the equivalent of a gun with no safety?
1: Yeah. I, I, and, you know, they're selling them for 40,000 pounds, 50,000 pounds. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just, uh, uh, they're selling them for 40 to 50,000 pounds, these pre weaponized dogs. Uh, and, and there's no real, there's no background checks, there's nothing. And, and you know, that, that side of the market is worrying, but what's even more worrying is what goes on at the other end. Um, where dogs are being trained up by people that have no experience being sold as protection dogs they're Mm. claiming to be protection dog firms they're selling them for a few thousand pounds and being handed out to people that that uh, really ought to be being watched by the police um, and it's really worrying, uh, it's w- yeah. really worrying that, that that's allowed to happen, that there, there isn't some kind of national oversight and actually I think that there are a lot of people in the um, sport dog world and in the genuine kind of security dog world because I've got lots of friends and colleagues that, that, that work with security dogs and I've got lots of friends that do dog sports Mm-hmm. They are all utterly dismayed yeah. because this is going to absolutely turn everything on their, on its head for everybody. Uh, um, they are, they are setting everybody up for failure, uh, yeah. um, but somebody is going to get hurt and it's going to be really nasty. Uh, and then comes the knee jerk reaction. And actually we need to get there before that uh, and to create some kind of sensible legislation. Well, so because that, the last
0: <laughs> time the knee jerk reaction happened was when BSL was brought in sure. as-
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: was brought in with the last knee jerk, which banned mm-hmm. all pit bull types. Notice I say type, not breed. Um, yes. I we spoke about I spoke about this with Bethany Grace. Um we are both as well so passionate about trying to change this bullshit law because mm-hmm. it's just it's ruined lives and has killed innocent animals that would have made it- perfectly good friendly pets yet you have this flip side of these assholes that are taking dogs and training them to be weapons that yeah. are allowed to just sell them and it's absolutely fine and it's legal
1: yeah yeah it's crazy and and, and when talking oh. about BSL, i don't want to go too far down the bsl rabbit hole because we could be here for another hour um <laughs> <but> <laughs> i i kind of uh, when you when you look at breed specific legislation and you're someone that doesn't understand dogs and you're just looking at it through the prism of a, a politician because you've got to try and get in their head they're the ones that make the law. That's a uh, terrible, um, horrible, scary place to put people. Is, and not do not do that but, to the listeners, please. But it's got to happen sometimes, and uh, um, so you've got to say the point of this law was to reduce dog bites and dog fatalities. That hasn't happened. They've gone up. Yeah. yeah so, so that's completely failed. Then you, then you look at the fact that actually, as you said, there's nothing breed specific about breed specific legislation. If anything, it's type specific yeah. and cannot ban a type of dogs because it encompasses too many cross breeds. And yeah. so there is always going to be that type of dog in existence in this country. Yeah. And so what more sense is actually to look at our dog control legislation, and actually work on that, tighten that, bring in some kind of courses that that people have to go on if they get a, a control order, you know, and uh, um, in, instead of putting dogs to sleep simply for the way they look, it, it's just absurd, yeah. um, And and that really needs to change, and I, I think that there needs to be a whole package of of things looked at around dog control. I guess some of the protection dog stuff may come under that, and and doing away with BSL has to come under that. Um, you know, it's not denying that that dogs don't have innate individual or breed characteristics, or or just the, the general species characteristics. They're all there, uh, um, but actually, at the end of
0: the day, they've been they've survived this many years having very sharp teeth. Yes. There's a reason dogs have sharp teeth; it's to bite things, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you know. And and to deny that a dog will bite is just stupid. But when we're talking about dogs being weaponized and that being legal, it breaks my bloody heart. You almost wish that the knee-jerk reaction was all dogs over fifteen kilos have to be muzzled in public. Can you imagine the outcry?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But actually. I think that as a rule, which I know happens in some places in Spain, for example. Yeah. 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 That rule, I don't have a problem with because that's all the dogs, whether it's a Labrador or a collie or a mastiff or a setter or a Vimy, a Dalmatian, a shepherd, whatever. And at least they are of a size. They wear a muzzle in public.
1: Okay. At least that represents the reality. You know, it represents the reality that all dogs bite and that all dogs are (laughs) capable of doing damage. And obviously, like the bigger they get, the more damage. And uh, and also the the more capacity they have to pull over an owner, which is another thing. I the amount of times I see people walking dogs that are twice their size, and you just think, (laughs) wow. Um, we've doing? all
0: seen the meme of the old lady attached to the great day <laughs> we've all seen it and we've all laughed and it's hilarious yes,
1: but, but it's dangerous
0: <laughs> but this kind of we've we're sort of coming a little bit full circle with this going back to kind of training and regulation because I remember Dodge at the start of adolescence was putting on the weight was turning into an absolute nightmare and was starting to get very lungy and just generally, was just a pain in the ass in public. And I looked at putting a head collar on him so that I, as a relatively slender, not as slender as I was, but as a relatively slender female attached to large, powerful herding breed, had more control of him when he was having one of his dramatic shepherd moments. Mm -hmm. I had trainers make me feel absolutely shit and that I was about to cause so much pain and damage and discomfort to my dog because I was trying to keep us both safe.
1: Yeah, that's a shame. I think that, you know, we need to be very careful about how we interact with each other and talk to each other um, as an industry. It's difficult though, because everyone gets passionate and I know what it's like to be full of passion. Uh, um, and, And yeah, it's difficult, but you know i suppose we have to to try our hardest to be be as, as kind but also as truthful as possible
0: yeah yeah and i think the more that we have trainers you know that are honest about the journey and explaining that it's not all freaking rainbows and unicorns i mean this week uh denise Fenzi put a big post out um she's had a malinois um absolutely stunning looking dog it's just not working in her set up she's tried her hardest she's tried to get the dog to fit in in her world in her life in her household with family kids all the rest of it she's made the decision that the dog has gone back to the breeder and the comments online I had to stop reading them because <laughs> she has denise fenzi if you're not um familiar is um in my opinion an amazing American trainer she runs Fenzi yeah. academy um she's a reinforcement trainer she does things ethically and science-based and they do some really cool webinars and all that stuff they are sports dog trainers she took on this malinois in view of him being a sports dog she's had several other Malleys before it's not like she's first but him and one of the other siblings are showing similar behavioral traits there were trainers coming out and going oh my god i can't believe she's given up on that dog She hasn't given up on the dog. Mm -hmm. She's trying to give the dog the best chance possible for that dog. That dog is not suited to live in a multi-dog household with multi-people visiting. One of the reasons Dodge's world is as chill as it is for him is that we don't very often have visitors. And the visitors we do have either are known to him or he goes away because he cannot cope with strangers coming into our house so yeah. I don't have strange people coming into my house. That's a decision I've made. I wouldn't expect someone to go on social media and go, oh my God, Carrie's well out of order because she doesn't let everyone come into our house whenever they want, because she's got a shepherd. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like I mean. that's basically oh. what people are saying. And I think this kind of goes back to how in one way, we're normalizing things like cropping, but in the other hand, when a, a trainer that is, in my opinion, absolutely amazing
1: and is doing what's right by the dog,
0: exactly, is doing what is right for the dog, mm-hmm. and what is also right for her other dogs, and what is also right for her and her mm-hmm. household, has been vilified. Yet there are people out there, as you say, train weaponizing dogs, and no mm-hmm. one's batting an eyelid.
1: yeah yeah. it's crazy Uh, and it shows but I I think that I think that it all comes back to the 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 thing that we we started talking about and is my biggest frustration and that is just the lack of regulation yeah you know until there's a structure to our our industry I think it's going to be very difficult um and it is very difficult and I, I think that that's a real problem and I think that that um we have to do something about it um it has to change and i i believe that that the only way for it to change is for uh it to be a a, a veterinary-led change that that we can all get together and 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 uh, sit underneath one umbrella and actually really work to, to to regulate the industry and and yeah i think that otherwise we're going to really uh keep going around in circles like we have but done i can before. see
0: it benefiting all us because as you say like going back to like You know the the good security dog handlers that are training dogs properly and Mm -hmm. training dogs well to do the job that they are being bred to do and that they have been elicited to do. I know some people really don't agree with dogs being used in security and in military and police and stuff, but the fact is it is a role for some dogs. Mm -hmm. Those handlers and those trainers that are training the dogs well and properly and safely... Yep. for the public, I'm sure would be welcoming there yes. to be more regulation because it would stop these, well, they're basically just cowboys, aren't they? They're just people looking to make money quickly. And unfortunately, there's a lot of money in
1: dogs. You know, uh, um, there is a lot of money in dogs. And listen, when somebody can charge £800 for a one day training consultation that included putting a dog in a boot with some lavender and growling at it, you know, there's something mm. wrong with our industry, right? <laughs> uh, um, because that's something it's not, it's something that's happened. I, I it's what a, a client told me happened where they were, and, and I, I wish I was joking. Um, and actually, I'm laughing not, because that's freaking
0: that, ridiculous.
1: Like. Is and, and so, we are like the whole industry, not just the 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 protection dog security dog side the whole thing needs some yeah. kind of rupture or or uh, um it, it, we're going to go round in circles and it's never going to work and it's it's not benefiting anybody it's not better benefiting um clients it's not benefiting trainers behaviourists it's not benefiting vets vet nurses are in there too because they're all lovely uh, it's not benefiting any of us you know we're we're this but la-
0: also it's not benefiting the dogs no of course <laughs> and, and that should be like the, the yeah, paramount yeah. of all of it is are we giving these dogs the best life possible are we fulfilling all their needs are we fulfilling the five freedoms you know yeah and a lot of the time the answer is no and it's really really rubbish and it shouldn't be happening um yeah. what was that telly program on bbc about puppies what was it called <laughs>
1: um which telly program on the bbc the,
0: uh, uh, one that you with the dreaded vet
1: oh a, a jetty vet yeah there okay. Fabian, Fabian Rivers it was um, uh, Britain's puppy boom counting the costs so that looked at um, kind of it looked at some of the the the, the puppy trade and uh, cropping and and it also looked at some of the awful things happening in in some of the fertility clinics and, and and stuff like that it was a really interesting documentary really interesting to work on and, and Fabian's a, a top guy
0: because I had, not it was really funny because we spoke after I'd watched it and I was like, dude, have you seen this programme? It was actually really good. And you were like, yeah, I worked on that. I was like, oh, that's like, right. it's okay then.
1: <laughs> well, I just, you know. I, was, I don't know I, about
0: I, you, but as soon as I see a dog programme, I'm like, oh, I don't want to watch yeah, it.
1: Yeah, everyone cringes. I um, don't want to
0: watch it. But yeah. actually, that was really good. And I think what was, what was amazing about it, it explained about the puppy boom It touched on um, obviously the puppy farms and now thank goodness Lucy's Law is in and it's a thing. And hopefully we will eradicate, you know, the the ultimate goal would be to eradicate puppy farms. Um, Unfortunately, I can't see that happening, but I think the more aware consumers are, in Mm -hmm. general, people that want to get a dog, like if you see it advertised on Facebook or whatever, and it sounds too good to be true, then it probably is. Yeah. Um, But the other thing of it that amazed me over the kind of over the pandemic was the price of puppies. Mm -hmm. Like. Would have uh, uh, literally uh, like growing up, I can remember Like, Dad saying, oh, yeah, got, like, paid 50 quid for that one. Like, it wasn't... I can remember Dad, like, selling poodle puppies for, like, a couple of hundred pounds. Now, obviously, this is going back a little way. It's a little way. Um,
1: Even if you go back to the beginning of the pandemic... Jack Russell's, just before the pandemic started, were selling for 250. Um, And by the end of it, they were were selling closer to one and a half thousand to 2,000 pounds, which is... who pays two grand for a terrier. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. But uh, (laughs) I don't pay money for dogs. I get given all my dogs. So there we go. Um,
0: (laughs) Yeah, we we kind of end up with some of them, don't we? Yeah,
1: I just get given loads of creatures. Um, But I I think... uh, I think, like, we need to have a real conscious thought process about breeding and take a step back and and look at it as a whole because i see some things like for example um guide dogs have you ever seen have you ever been to or seen guide dogs dog breeding center where no i breed haven't breed? No. it's amazing they have the most amazing breeding program for their puppies and actually if a dog had been through a program like that and Then they were charging, however many tens of thousands of pounds because it had been through this amazing program where it had been socialized and they had a, I would kind of understand that yeah have done loads of really like important things, and that dog has had um everything it needs to to be put on the yeah. best possible path with its new home yeah uh, and I do think that there are potential for places like that. Uh, to exist and I know lots of great small breeders that that work really um hard on making sure that their puppies get all the early um experiences with different proprioception and uh, um socialization and, and and bits of early training and learning that I think are really important as well as obviously all the medical side um and well, I mean I, like breeders
0: puppy... that kind of follow that whole um puppy culture kind yeah. of program amazing you know and that I'm I'm a good I'm all for decent breeds I mean this weekend yeah. I was at um competition met a beautiful collie puppy an absolutely stunning toy poodle puppy that I wanted to steal immediately and even Dale was a bit like oh my god this is super cute can we steal it there um but I watched a video of this poodle puppy playing with um another friend's um large um male dog i don't know have you um have you met many um show lows no not many they're um the one i'm talking about um sarah did the episode with me episode 13 um i watched a mm-hmm. video of um the puppy playing with gambler sarah's um coated show low and mm-hmm. the play from both these dogs was absolutely stunning and both of these dogs have come from breeders that have done amazing socialization, proprioception, but they've also been very mindful and careful of the studs they're picking and the bitch they're picking to try and breed for temperament and also purpose. A lot of the dogs that came through during the pandemic were just dogs that were bred for the sake of being bred to make money. And people seem to think that the more you were paying, it meant the better the dog you were getting. People were buying crossbreed dogs four five six thousand
1: pounds yeah but again that comes back to what we were saying earlier about the what? I, I, need it now. I need it tomorrow morning in a box you know like they just are yes. patient enough for for waiting for something that has those proper solid foundations you know there's nothing wrong with with going to a breeder actually if if that breeder is putting in the work and and, and the foundations are there um for what ends up being a really well-rounded dog that's not a a, a problem and actually I think it's important that we have um, um, a good genetic and uh, an epigenetic stock when it comes to dogs that are being bred in this country so that you know that they're they're fit for purpose and they're happy and their welfare can be met Um, uh, and so I don't believe that a dot not shop is always the answer however I love all dogs and I get given my dogs all the time so I would never never myself take anything on that wasn't given to me um yeah. and I think that there are lots of great rescues out there looking for homes but you have to do what's right for you and for the dog to make sure that actually all your welfare needs are met um both yours and the dogs and and actually the relationship is successful and happy and I do think that 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 there's a place for good breeders in that mix it's obvious
0: I think Uh, the other problem is though is that people perceive getting a puppy as a blank slate and it's all going to be great two things one a puppy is not a blank slate that is not a thing
1: yeah it's
0: not a thing at all it's not a thing okay what is the thing is a thing called genetics um and if you have put a very nervous bitch to a very aggressive male the chances are you're not going to get the friendliest of puppies yeah. <laughs> if yeah. the breeder has been mindful of the temperament and confirmation and all the rest of it then chances are yes you're going to get a puppy that has a better start but people don't seem to understand that the work they put into that dog in the first six months to year of them having it is kind of what they're going to have for the next 12 to 15 years of having that dog. Yeah. People completely, I, I remember us having the conversation when Dodge was hitting adolescence, being like, what the fuck have I done? this thing is going cray, why are all these hormones like, oh Teenage my boy. God, what have I <laughs> Because, like, honestly, I wasn't prepared for it, I really wasn't, and we know that there are dogs that are ending up in rescue because they just haven't had any training, they haven't had the time and effort put into them that, you know, you always say people put more time and effort into picking a phone than they do a puppy
1: yeah which again is mental It's crazy <laughs> uh, uh, it really is that's it's absurd <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, why I, I just don't know what we can do to change people's minds and one thing is we need to make sure when pe- when we're educating people we're not getting into arguments with people because as soon as you tell someone what they're doing is bad and what they're doing is wrong, they will shut off to the discussion
1: yeah
0: generally I mean you you've been quite difficult someone that was on the receiving end of people going oh my god it's
1: it's quite difficult because you do sometimes kind of need a bit of a slap in the face Mm -hmm. um if I'm being honest like you do kind of sometimes need someone to go "Oi, what you're doing Um, yeah but but there has to be some kind of like constructive sort of edge and guidance and, and, and listen it's not always possible because sometimes you're you're um, too far into a debate or, or you're too emotional listen I, I understand that it's not always possible to to be as positive as we all want to be all the time I would love to be more so but i try my best to be um i try my best
0: positive does not mean we're permissive and this is one of the things i i bleat on about because i hear it all the time especially with owners of separate oh well you you positive trainers you're you're just fluffy you let your dogs get away with murder no (laughs) no i don't dodge is not allowed to kiss anyone he feels like that's not a thing
1: Yes. Uh, um, Does he
0: find and it reinforcing and lovely? Yes. Is he allowed to do it? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's yeah, the, the the main thing is is making sure we fulfil those five freedoms, and that that goes for every aspect of kind of the animal's life, even training. And and if we're suppressing natural behaviour, then a the problem. And we should be giving them outlets. We should be giving them direction and guidance. And that's not to say that you're a doormat, but it's just. Uh, um, that things are structured and and that you're setting the dogs up to succeed.
0: Yeah, exactly that. I mean, one of my, you know, one of the things I like to try and do especially if we've been like away competing or whatever is to take Dodge to a private field so that he can just go and sniff and I don't have to worry about, oh, come here bud, oh God, there's another dog, oh, there's a person blah, blah, blah. He can just go and be a dog and I basically walk around and pick up his poo if he needs me to. Like, Hmm. That that's his day because he's worked with me for the weekend and he's mainly been a good boy and listened. And occasionally I remember where we're meant to be going and sometimes the planets align and it's brilliant. But I understand that for him, as much as he will work in an environment of competition and we go to competitions together, there is also an element of stress for both of us. And I know like yesterday... We both just needed to just chill out because we've been away competing all weekend. Today, we're, we're having an off day today. So yesterday he, he had a play with one of his friends. We did a little bit of training today. He's having a day off because he needs that. He needs to get all his levels back to normal. His adrenaline needs to come down All his cortisol. Everything just needs to go back to base levels before we go back to tomorrow and carry on the world as normal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh- but people need that too you know we all all need that i i i know sometimes after i've had like a a particularly like stressful busy day i just need a some time to to kind of switch off and, and and to readjust and and it's the same for them you know um Ziggy my shepherd's the same I know we talk about Godly shepherds bless her <laughs> she, uh, she's lovely and um you know like for example the other day we were out in a really busy city um we were working we were doing some uh, um retrieves and and some scenty stuff and spicy mm-hmm. stuff and just kind of messing about and then wandering around through town just um in the different environment and I know the next day she slept all day yeah she was shattered and actually if I hadn't given her that day to just chill out she probably would have been a bit of a knob if I'd forced her to go and do anything Uh, um, because she was a bit stacked and actually that's normal I mean I get like that so it's just important to give the dogs the time to to switch off and and to reevaluate and also to remember that although they are uh, they have been bred and selected to do particular jobs behind yeah. all of it is a dog and dogs yeah. as a species like to spend 20 odd hours a day asleep yeah uh, yeah and and so there's that too that they have to have that time to reset and and when you look at them in their natural environment it's much more moochy more slow more you know they're only really awake for for a limited amount of time and and yeah. and so actually, it's, it's also reminding ourselves of that and giving them that time to switch off when we've had a busy day at a competition or when we've been out in town. I yeah, think exactly. It, yeah.
0: Or even just, you know, if you've gone to the park at the weekend and it's been a really busy day and they've interacted with lots of our dogs and people, like, they don't mm-hmm. need to be doing that every single day. Like, yeah. it, it's not normal dog behaviour. I think that's the other thing, isn't it? The, the perception now is that dogs are meant to be social when actually dogs tend to be dog selective. We are not social. I don't go down the road and say hello to every single person and shake their hand and give them a hug and whatever. I say hello to the people I know and who I'm friends with and the other people I just ignore, but-
1: There was this, there was this lovely video on Loud Bible. I don't know whether it's still there or, I think it's Loud Bible, one of them. And it was of this bloke on the London Underground and he got on the um, London Underground, and as he's walking around, he walks up to people and he says hello to them and strokes them on the head. And These are strangers. The <laughs> actions he gets are absolutely amazing. Because there was one or two that just gave him a hug, yeah? Very, like, one or two, but the majority of them wanted deck him. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting because we're supposed to be social creatures, but that doesn't mean that we're not socially selective. And yeah. the same goes for dogs, you know, they have friends and they have dogs that they're uh, um, particularly well matched to play with, or particularly well matched to hang out with, and others that they're not. Um, and that's not uh, an abnormal thing; it's 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 quite normal, you know, not to walk into every restaurant as a human and want to be everybody's friend. And it's the same for dogs, you know. I, I don't walk up to everybody. Trying so, to like, if
0: you walked into like, I mean, it's different. Like, you go into your your local pub or local coffee house or whatever, somewhere where you kind of are there regularly you'll know the bar staff you'll know a few people that they're regularly as well but you don't go around to every single table and say hello to every person in there you'd look like a right knob
1: <laughs> that's funny <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs>
0: do, do you know what i mean but like we kind of expect dogs to do the same which is just bizarre um So, Jordan, let's just go back a little bit to kind of your work with getting legislation changed, because that's a really big deal. <laughs> so changing the law is quite an important thing and well done. Um, Thank you.
1: I was so chuffed that we managed to go from my first like post about it to Queen's Speech in 10 months. I. Um yeah, I'd never expected that in a million years. I've watched other campaigners campaign for, for, for 10, 15 years on on issues and really didn't expect it to come around so quickly. So I'm I'm very uh, humbled by the response of like the, the public and, and the support that I've had.
0: Yes, because you had um you had support from like um Mark the Vet, who was very much kind of behind Lucy's law, didn't you?
1: Yeah, and um, AppDog and um, the British Veterinary Association came on board um, for the second petition and were, were super helpful and, and we kind of co-hosted uh, um, that campaign. Um, the the uh, RSPCA were on board right from day one. There's Hope Rescue as well. I mean, like, the list is kind of endless. I don't want to miss anyone out, which I probably have now, um, as I started listing people. But yeah, loads of support, which is great. <laughs>
0: yeah, if Jordan missed you, he's really sorry and he appreciates yeah. you and you're all epic but there were so many people but I think that's the thing because Lucy's law I think was possibly another legislation that came in that was so needed and you almost go what how was that not the law already Mm -hmm. um is that kind of how you felt about getting the legislation changed with the cropping because obviously as you say technically it was illegal
1: yeah it just seems crazy. I mean, and and when you when I started to delve further and further and realised that it wasn't just illegal here and how widely it was illegal everywhere else, you go, wow, that's crazy. And actually, uh, um, we have to be uh, um, really conscious as well of where like uh, um, dogs are coming from and where they're being cropped as to kind of what they've been through, and and it's illegal in most places. And 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 so I did think that we get it. I just didn't realise it would be so fast. Um I I worry as well, like you know, I don't know whether you've done I've been working on it over the last couple of days looking at individual jurisdictions and the actual individual piece of legislation. How fun does that sound? Um <laughs> It sounds my- very adult. Yay, very <laughs> adulty. I do adult sometimes. Um, <laughs> careful, though, careful. <babe>, yeah. <laughs> uh, um actually what shocked me was you go across like the pond to the States. And there are some places where it's illegal. There are some places where it is completely unrestricted to the point where you can go to your local feed store to buy the anaesthetic and the cropping kits. Oh. It's not a restrictive veterinary procedure in some states. Okay, so... Wow. That's how shocking. That's and so awesome. you can see, like, there's a, there's a whole nother, like, uh, um, rabbit hole to dive down, probably for another day, because I've been rambling on for long enough. No, no, do my
0: podcast, you can ramble as long as you want. But again, the thing is, though, is that if you can go into a feed store in, like, I mean, uh, how many states, kind of roughly, are you, ele- uh, oh is there federal the legislation and then... Yeah.
1: Off the top of my head, I, I, I can't tell you, uh, um, but I'm going to, once we've finished the, the full list, I'll put it out there so people can actually see a proper clear picture. And I'm I, I'm trying to get someone to also update Wikipedia because um, it seems to be where everyone gets their information and yet yeah, that's completely out of date. Um... Yeah, and,
0: and doing stuff with Wikipedia is really hard because if you try and update stuff and they're like, oh, no, hang on a minute, you're, you're a dog person, so you're not allowed to do that. Like, yeah. it, I remember trying to, in the dog sports list, canine hoopers isn't listed as a sport. So I tried to add it and they were like, hang on a minute, your company is a hoopers company. So you're not allowed to put that. And I'm like, but it is a sport. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to advertise myself. I'm just trying to let people know that this is a thing. So I think the part of it is because with social media, you never know where people are in the world. You know, right. they're... One one of the um one of the accounts I follow on Instagram hadn't even like sort of paid too much attention. I was looking the other day and I was like, oh, they're in Russia. That's pretty cool. <laughs> no idea. You know. Um, I think the whole, oh well, it's an import and therefore it's been cropped is the biggest misunderstanding because what countries could dogs be coming from that it is legal for them to be cropped in.
1: Um, so, America, um, the odd Russia's uh, a hazy law um, because some places <laughs> it's restricted and it's like careful what we say. I don't
0: want to get in trouble.
1: No, no, yeah, uh, <laughs> um, you might end up on a visit to uh, stop it. But. Don't. Um,
0: sorry. I
1: think that. Um, I think that it. it it really is quite difficult because it is such a mixed bag but most of the places where dogs are coming from to this country are European countries that's where most dogs are coming from and 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 it is illegal across the EU
0: not be cropped in those countries so therefore it's not legal
1: exactly and some of the states that that they come from in America it's also not legal but then some it is and so obviously it's it's quite a complex picture which is why I also don't think there can be any exemptions to anything and why we have to really be quite strict as to we have to stop moving these dogs or we're never going to stamp out this this awful illegal unnecessary cosmetic mutilation uh, and it is a mutilation on I mean, the UK law people get quite funny with it online they go well, well because you consider it a mutilation and it's got nothing to do with what I consider it, it is a, a mutilation on the UK law and an illegal mutilation so I I think that we we can stamp it out but we have to um start moving dogs around
0: so we're kind of recording in the in the future I guess from when this episode comes out so this episode's coming out in November so Mm -hmm. potentially when people are listening some of the legislation will have been changed already is that correct well
1: so by November the um the, consult- the DEFRA's consultation um, into the movement, the commercial movement of dogs um, under a certain age and with low welfare practices, will be over. I don't um, think that the legislation will will actually be implemented by then. They give themselves mm-hmm. June next year at the latest. Yeah. Um, but it's on the way. Uh, um, but it was
0: because um, I I did go through the through the um, through the Defra paperwork the other day. Um, you It's long, isn't it? I was like, oh, <laughs> I want to have a look and a nose at this before I speak to Jordan. Let's see what it's all about. And to be honest, most of what was being proposed just seemed to be really sensible and just kind of safeguarding welfare of these animals. Because the thing is, with The age that puppies can be transported at the moment, they're seeing puppies of four or five weeks old being transported, which is completely unethical. Um, Mm -hmm. They should not be away from mama at that age. Um, I mean, guidelines are eight weeks. Um, Generally, most good breeders will keep the dogs till they're eight, if not ten weeks. Some breeders keep them longer. I know I've known some dogs that have left the breeder at seven and a half weeks because... They've known the person well, the dog's gone into multiple carts and it's been an appropriate situation. but for dogs to be transported at that age away from their mum, apart from anything, the potential for long-term behavioral
1: oh the damage is huge. Problems, and- huge yeah yeah i mean the the behavioral damage is massive when a dog's being taken away so young from its mum and then shipped off in a cold box somewhere the 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 the, the other thing as well is that there's the medical ramifications for a lot of these dogs being brought in too young to the point where they haven't had their relevant vaccinations um and that's an issue too you know They, they shouldn't really be um appearing um what is it under 15 16 17 weeks um so uh, uh, that's a real problem and actually giving dogs until they were um six months would allow for um uh, a proper antibody test as well like they used to be I mean it's I really worry about the movement of lots of illnesses around the place you know I've seen some really nasty things. Pandemics
0: taught us but, one thing: diseases can travel really well.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and I think it's a real problem. So it's it's just from the, the sense of both protecting the dogs' welfare, health, and also the population here's welfare and health, both people and animal. I think that these are all really sensible common sense suggestions that that i hope are implemented um and and i'm hopeful it will make a a real change
0: yeah no definitely and i think the other thing that looking at it from kind of an outsider point of view because obviously you've got border forces and stuff they're going to have limited kind of knowledge at times you know some of these people might not even have a dog themselves to Mm -hmm. say to them right that puppy needs to have their adult teeth it's very obvious yeah. there is a teeny tiny puppy with needle teeth or a small dog with adult teeth that's the easiest way to distinguish the age of a dog so that's why they're proposing this six months isn't it is because basically yeah. the adult teeth should be in place because the difference between for people that don't know you know a A six-week-old chihuahua puppy is teeny tiny, and it's quite obvious that they're a very young dog. But when you talk about bigger breeds and also mixed breeds, because you can't go, well, that's a cross between this and that, what's the puppy going to look like at this age? It's very difficult to tell if the puppy is eight weeks old, is six weeks old, is 16 weeks old, or is older. The The teeth is the kind of easiest way that any person could you look in the dog's mouth and go, that's grown up?
1: Yeah, that's correct. And, it, I, 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 and I also think, you know, I remember when I was living in Spain, working as a veterinary assistant, that was what I, I was. Um, I must have been a teenager, so 17, something like that. Um, why are you giggling at me? So that was... Um, <laughs>
0: About five uh, years ago. <laughs> yeah,
1: quite some time ago now. Um, <laughs> boy. <laughs> um what 2000 and stop it
0: You mightn't feel old shut
1: up sorry um, so, <laughs> i think uh, um then i remember that dogs would have to have their vaccinations then would have to have a, a blood test before they could be sent to the uk um mm-hmm. and so they were about six months by the time they got here that didn't stop people from rescuing um yeah that didn't stop people from rescuing then it won't stop people from rescuing now if people are are committed enough and it's it's what they really want and they they actually think the process through i, I think they'll still do it um, and that's a good thing uh, um you know and I, I really don't think waiting is necessarily a bad thing i think that um we've become a little impatient and actually when it comes to the the lives the health the welfare of like sentient beings we just need to find our patience again
0: yeah no definitely I mean we, we know that one of the one of the biggest keys in training is patience you know you mm-hmm. can't rush behavior you can't rush the learning yet we expect everything to be immediate I mean I'm one of the most impatient people going you know <laughs> I, I happily admit it and there are times where even myself like with my training but just in the world you know like me being a competitive person, you know, if Dodge is having a day where it's not going quite as brilliantly as possible, I can be like, Oh, what have I done? And blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, Lisa gave me a pep talk at the weekend. She was like, Carrie, remember, he's still a baby. He's Mm -hmm. still a puppy. He's going to have days where he's a bit of a knob still because he's a boy and he's a shepherd. Um, (laughs) I think that, as you say, people, it's not just people expecting things to happen, but people being, seeing the images of dogs that are cropped and it becoming normal is what is making people think that it is normal because they see it on their social media and
1: yeah yeah, yeah and i think there's been a big it's, rise there's been a big rise in obviously the numbers coming in because there was a huge rise in imports to yeah. over the over pandemic yeah. i think that uh, as well we have an issue where uh, lots of media companies like uh, um, magazines, newspapers, lots of other companies as well, are often using stock imagery from American stock sites where all the dogs are cropped. Um, yeah, 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 they don't necessarily realise or understand the, the, the implications of, of using those pictures and the impact that it has. Well, it was um, Because they they're not dog people, they're media people.
0: Yeah, because there was a big thing, wasn't there, about pugs and Frenchies being used in mm-hmm. media a lot and bulldogs. You know, that yeah. four or five years ago, all you saw were pugs and Frenchies in adverts because they're cute and they've got smushy little faces and they look a bit more human than, you know, the pointy nose things. But there was a big campaign and more, <laughs> and more and more companies became aware and more and more companies stopped using dogs that had breathing problems so yeah. I think it is important to raise awareness, but maybe you know, send them an email and say, "Are you aware that this campaign yeah. is?" Rather than going on social media and angry typing and telling them they're wrong. You know,
1: you can, you can. Yes, I, I agree. You, you uh, should always like uh, attempt to reach out first. Uh, don't get me wrong; there are only so many, so many times you can attempt to reach out in, in more private or polite kind of yep. terms. And, and then maybe it's time to shout a little bit louder.
0: But also um, you can, you can
1: listen to, make
0: your choices known by yep. your consumerism. Again, this goes back to consumerism. I, I didn't realise how much we'd be kind of, and apologies for the annoying beeping noise. Apparently my dishwasher was just finished. Um, but when you kind of look at that whole instant thing, you know, if people are paying money for stuff, supply and demand, so if people go, oh, well actually I don't want to buy from that company because they are using those images to promote themselves, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it's going to make the company think twice about what they're doing.
1: You know, at the end of the day, we live in a capitalist society and and that capital comes from our pockets. And so it's our choices as to where we spend it. And and that then shapes the world that we live in. So, you know, we really can have an impact. We just have to make those those decisions. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that's very important. And I think that it's important that people are aware of what's going on so they can make the right choices. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, um,
0: exactly that. Exactly that. So, Jordan, if people want to know more about the because, um, the hashtag is um,
1: crop, not crop, flop not, not crop. Yes, don't get it the wrong way around. I've done that one, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, don't say
0: crop not flop because that's not a thing. Like, we delete that, that one very <laughs> so that hashtag. I mean, you search that hashtag and it's and it's around a lot. um but, the crop.
1: there's also cut the crop which was uh, um we joined forces that was uh, the bba's campaign okay. um yeah and and so i think it's it's um yeah go out there you can have a look on all my social media I'm on all the various platforms although i'm uh, a little quieter than usual because i'm in the middle of moving house um then the um, always
0: doing thank he's either moving house or buying a van or doing something, something extraordinary and yeah. adventurous
1: <laughs> um and i i then people can follow the fold group where i'm a director um you know the fold group is a great uh, um organization and i'm very fortunate to have a colleagues that i do um that support me you know uh, my co-director's there and they're always always talking about things on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram and and it's a great uh, thing to follow mm-hmm. uh, yeah um, so that's the, the places where people can keep up with what's going on really
0: cool so until well I guess we will we'll see each other soon anyway but... yeah. <laughs> Um, hopefully, you know, if if the planets align, we're actually allowed to see each other in person. This this yeah. is the most in-person I've seen you for about two years now, I think.
1: It's crazy. But,
0: oh do it's it's doing everything. We've just seen
1: each other on the regular as well. I don't know, like well, the world's gone upside down. So. Oh, I know.
0: Yeah, like literally we used to try and see each other like every like couple of months, <laughs> and now it's like <laughs> haven't to you for like a year. But anywho, anywho, anywho. So if people want to um, follow you, Jordan, Insta, Facebook.
1: Yeah, Facebook, Insta, Twitter. Um, but yeah, as I say, I'm I, I really, although I, I have do social you have media. have a TikTok. Really enjoy it. No, I don't have a TikTok, and people have asked me for a TikTok, and <laughs> I, social media as it is, I'm not adding another one. Oh, joke. I'm too old for TikTok. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm done. I, yeah, I can't do anymore. Um, I feel like else I'm too in old. charge. of
0: Although I do feel that you should make a TikTok just for your animals because it would amuse a lot of people,
1: <laughs> especially
0: Sonny. I think Sonny yeah. needs his own TikTok.
1: That would be funny. It's just all the rescue menagerie. Um, so, yeah, as you can imagine, moving about with all them lot, it keeps me on my toes. Um, yep. So um, that's probably what I will be um, doing now until the end of the year. Um <laughs> And, yeah, then uh, um, we will see what the new year brings. It's exactly always right. that,
0: exactly and that. And, guys, um, this will be going out around fireworks night in the UK. So, remember, if your dogs are struggling, do speak to your vets. There are medications that your dogs can take to help them if they are really struggling with the fireworks season. Um, don't let them suffer. And remember, you cannot comfort um your dog too much you are not going to make your dog more fearful by comforting them um this is one of those myths that goes around of leave them alone and they'll be fine if your dog is scared you are allowed to give it a cuddle um Jordan do you concur that if the dog is scared yeah, you, you're allowed to give
1: it a cuddle a hundred percent you can't reinforce an emotion you can reinforce behavior but not emotion and and that's if okay. dogs are looking to you for reassurance give them the reassurance <laughs> yeah. that's what they're after you know yeah. and, D- um, don't, don't
0: be a dick and let your dog suffer if they need help then speak to your vet um and your vet will be able to um give you some options and there's a, like, fundership. There's a
1: title for a campaign there against animal cruelty don't be a dick um, yeah i like <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah that, that's
0: one of my my things are like it's a thing that's not a thing and don't be a dick Are kind of like my little catchphrases um
1: Funny, it, i might have to steal that
0: one <laughs> mate you can steal it take it do what you wish with it it's fine yeah. um so until next time guys if you want to follow my dogs on social media at minx chihuahua at dodge shepherd on instagram canine hoopers world is on facebook and insta And until the next episode, stay safe, be kind, wash your hands thoroughly, keep your dogs on lead around livestock. Don't let them lick toads. Take care, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. For more information on Hoopers, where to find classes and Canine Hoopers World Instructor courses, find us on Facebook. Like our page, join our free group. K9 Hoopers World. You can follow us on Instagram, and we're also on Twitter at K9 Hoopers. Check out our website www.k9hoopersworld.com. Remember, K9 Hoopers World, everyone's invited.